0: Welcome back to Historical, where we're getting into the words and stories that shape the world. Now, you might want to take a few deep breaths and tighten the belts on your big person pants, because today's episode is full of many people's biggest fear, spiders. Okay, I'm sorry. That was partly just a scare tactic. There's only one spider. Thank you to everyone who shared their guesses on Instagram and Facebook, and for anyone who guessed that we were heading to West Africa, Jamaica, or any of the many other cultures with tales featuring Anansi the Trickster, well done, you were absolutely right. Now, a common feature of history, especially the way we were taught it in the 90s, is that cultures who kept written records tend to get more airtime. That makes sense in some practical ways. Sometimes we know a lot more about those periods of history and sometimes they're just much easier to teach, especially to younger people. But it also leaves us with big gaps and lots of missing spaces. Just think about Egyptian history for a second, just as an example. Once the ancient Egyptians developed a way of making paper, we find these big gaps in our knowledge about them, which we don't see so much when they were carving into stone or clay and keeping their records that way. If you've ever accidentally dropped the new Harry Potter in the bath or set your old love letters on fire, you'll understand why that is. But for thousands of years, hundreds of cultures were based completely around oral traditions, in which the history of the people was kept in the form of stories. There's something really bewitching about this way of record keeping, because the stories have to be told in order for the history to be preserved. The history is kept as a kind of cultural memory because everyone knows and has heard the stories over and over again. If you stop telling the stories, the memory fades and the history is lost forever. But if you keep telling them, the history lives alongside the community and becomes a part of your shared knowledge, even shared wisdom in some cases. Alongside the retelling of history, cultures with oral traditions also pass down fables and mythology and religion in the form of stories. Now, a lot of these are meant to entertain, of course, but some are also there to educate and instruct and even to warn. And this is where our spider comes in. Anansi is an extremely important character in West African folklore and in many stories, He's also considered to be a godlike character with knowledge of all other stories in existence. I'd kind of call him the ultimate librarian, except I don't think he'd be particularly flattered. Now, before anyone gets confused, Anansi has godlike qualities, but he's not usually worshipped as god or even as a god. He's a trickster figure, famous for his wit and his quick tongue and his ability to get himself into and then out of trouble. Mythologies and folklore aren't really directly comparable, but if you feel you need a touchstone just to give you an idea, think of a character like Loki, who's the trickster figure in Norse mythology. Except that Anansi obviously is a little bit less murdery and has fewer fangirls, but more legs. Anansi usually takes the form of a spider and he travels far and wide in the stories, but the stories themselves traveled quite a distance too. They were spread as people themselves were scattered by the transatlantic slave trade. So outside of West Africa, they're very important in African-American and Caribbean folklore, amongst others, of course. In fact, Anansi became quite a popular hero as a symbol of slave resistance and survival. That was because of his ability to escape and to survive, as well as his propensity for turning the tables in a situation that seems imbalanced in terms of power or hopeless in some other way. If one of the beauties of oral traditions is that the stories go wherever you do, another is that they're able to evolve and grow with shifting cultures. So the stories about Anansi from the Caribbean might be quite different to those from Ghana or Sierra Leone, and in some places he'll even have a slightly different personality or perhaps even a different name. Again, we can't really do a direct comparison, but think about the differences between Mars and Ares. They're both the god of war. One is Roman, one is Greek. One has a side hobby of farming and milking cows. The other just likes to slice people up with a sword. But otherwise, they're basically the same bloke. Now, there are too many Anansi stories to tell in one episode, and there's no perfect way to pick just one. So we'll stick with what feels like a good beginning. The story of how Anansi got his tails. That's Tales with an E for anyone who was about to start spamming me with spider diagrams. In the beginning, there were no stories in the world. They were all in the sky, in the possession of the sky god, Niame. Niame is not big on sharing, but he is big on making a quick buck. I assume the rent is due and the god of the sky's officers have a pretty big footprint. Fortunately for him, Anansi wants to buy his stories. Unfortunately for Anansi... Niamh is convinced that the spider won't be able to pay. Anansi, who must have done his job shadowing hours as a real estate agent, refuses to give up. Niamh is getting quite cross now. So he does what everyone chooses to do when an estate agent cold calls you at Christmas time. He names an exorbitantly high price. Anansi has to capture four of the most dangerous creatures in the world and bring them to him. Niamh, of course, is just hoping to shut the spider up, but shutting up is not really Anansi's thing. He agrees, and he throws his own mother into the pot as well as a little bonus. Just to clarify, that's not the moral of the story. It's just a pro tip. To give credit where it's due, Anansi does give his mom fair warning. At least I'm not actually sure what fair warning is when you offer to trade your mom to the sky god, Never mind adding her onto the ranks of the most dangerous creatures in the world, but I do know 30 minutes is polite if you're going to be late for dinner, so let's assume it was fair notice. Also to Anansi's credit, he acknowledges that he doesn't really have a plan, and asks his wife for help. He wants to start with Onini the python, so his wife suggests that he cuts down some thick tree vines and stages a fight with her on the riverbank. The key to any good plan is to keep it realistic, and Anansi is a bit of a know it all. So, when Anini hears the two arguing, he just comes over to find out what's up and possibly to offer some pro bono marriage counseling. Anansi explains that they're debating how big of a python Onini really is. Onini immediately takes Anansi's side, which is just typical really, and he lies down next to the vines to be measured. Anansi promptly ties him up and carts him off to the Sky God. Now Anansi is a smart guy, so he does what smart spiders have done since they first started playing Truth or Dare. He goes to his even smarter wife for more advice. She's very obliging, so she gives him another cracker of a plan. She tells him to fill a gourd with water and sneak up on a group of moboro hornets. He sprinkles some of the water on a banana leaf and puts it over his head like a hat. Then he uses the gourd like a surreptitious water pistol, spraying the hornets with water. Understandably, they're a little bit put out by this, but Anansi whips the banana leaf off of his head and convinces them that it's been raining. He very sweetly offers to let them hang out in his gourd until the rain stops, very dangerous stuff rain, and they zoom in, grateful for the chance to dry their feet. Anansi, of course, stoppers the gourd and delivers them to Niame. He's halfway now, if you don't count his mum-shaped bonus gift. Ocebo the leopard is next, and for this one, Anansi goes for a classic. He digs a hole outside Ocebo's den and covers it with brushwood and leaves. Out comes the leopard for a morning stretch, a little bit of yoga, and promptly falls headfirst into the hole. Anansi, who's a bit cheeky, asks him if he's been at the liquor again. Apparently, it's becoming a little bit of a habit with our spotted friend. He then offers to help Osibo out of the hole, on the very strict understanding that he won't be eaten afterwards. Osibo agrees, but it's sort of a moot point, because Anansi manages to knock him out during the rescue. The next thing Osibo knows, he's waking up on the Sky God's parlor floor, and Anansi is feeling pretty smug. The fourth and final task is to capture Moesha the fairy, and Anansi gets really creative for his finale. He carves an akuaba, a wooden doll, and covers it with sticky tree sap. He then gets his wife to make some delicious mashed yams and heads to the odum tree where the fairies like to get together. He puts the doll in front of the bowl of yams and ties a single thread of his silk around her, effectively turning her into a puppet. It doesn't take long for Moesha to show up and ask for a snack. The doll nods in agreement, although really it's a nancy pulling on his thread, and Moesha tucks in. Afterwards, she tries to thank the doll, but this time there's no response. She's incredibly put out at being ignored, so she gives the doll an eye slap on the cheek. Unfortunately, the doll doesn't seem particularly bothered, and Moesha's hand is now stuck to it so she tries another slap with the other hand with the same result. Moesha follows through with what we can really only call a catastrophically bad decision. She slams her whole body into the doll, hoping to give it a proper pummeling and really show it what for. Of course, she's now completely stuck, and Anansi is delighted. To add insult to injury, he carts her off on a pit stop to fetch his mum so that he can deliver them both to the Sky God. Perhaps his mum sees how hard he's been working and how badly he wants the stories because she just goes along quite quietly. Niame is deeply impressed. He tells Anansi and everyone else who will listen just how clever the spider is. But it's not just praise the spider is after, and Niame keeps his word, although ironically, not his stories. The stories belong to Anansi now, and he is free to tell them however, whenever, and to whomever he chooses. All stories are now spider stories, the sky god says, no matter what they're about. Now, of course, this is only one of many of these stories, and we've had to take some liberties in the telling of it, or you'd be stuck to this podcast for hours like Moesha was stuck to the doll. If you'd like to hear more of them, there's a wealth of resources online and I'd really encourage you to find the excellent recordings on YouTube. There are a whole lot of them that are done in a much more traditional style than ours and it's quite incredible to hear these done properly. In the meantime, please remember, stay away from fairies, hornets and snakes, but I think we can forgive the spiders, spiders are good, and never ever trust your son. You never know what he might trade you for. Thank you for joining this episode of Historical. If you enjoyed yourself, please head over to your streaming platform of choice, subscribe so that you never miss another episode, and leave us a rating and review so that we can continue to tell cool stories. You can also come and find us on Instagram and Twitter at historical podcast, and join the Facebook group, which is an excellent place to tell us which words you'd like to hear next. Join us again for more words that shape the world every Tuesday.